morning. We are, uh, I'm, I'm glad you, you caught the humor in that. Uh, some of us are going to be going home today right after the service to enjoy a great turkey dinner. Uh, and uh, some of us will be watching a hockey game if we can get it. Uh, anybody know what hockey game I'm talking about? Yeah, there's a few. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's a great day today, isn't it? Um, before we go home and have our turkey and watch the game, uh, I want to just share with you a few things uh, about Thanksgiving. And some of you know that we've been working on a series called Life is a Road Trip. And if you've ever been on a road trip, you know that a road trip can have the potential to be uh, uh, an exercise in, in, in true punishment <laughs> Or it could be absolutely fantastic. And so this morning, um, I, want to, I want us to talk about, about having a great journey, enjoying this journey that we're on. Every year, some of you may or may know it, our family goes to Banff. And you, talk, you hear me talk about how beautiful Banff is and how you know, lovely the, the scenery is. It is. It's absolutely, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful places on the face of the earth. Um, has anybody been to Banff? Just kind of wave at me if you could. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. It's a gorgeous place. But guess what? There's another, another reason why we go to Banff. It's not just because of the beautiful scenery. It's because of the journey, the time that I have with my family, the time of sharing ideas together, the time of laughing together, of teasing each other, having fun. Absolutely uh, a thrilling part of my, my experience, our experience. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> by the way, last week, I, I want to just, anybody who was here that maybe was offended by uh, what I said about not ever being interrupted like that in 30 years. I know if anybody was here this last Sunday, you'll remember that there was quite a commotion going on. I apologize to you if I've offended you, but... Um, uh, I think I've got my composure together here. I'll be okay. So let's move along here, looking at, uh, at this journey. Jesus said there are two roads that we're traveling on, and there's a wide road and a narrow road. The wide road leads to what? Destruction or death. The narrow road leads to, to salvation, to life, to etern eternal life, heaven, uh, however you want to look at it. There's two journeys that we're on. We're either on the journey that leads to destruction or the journey that leads to life. Now, for many of us who grew up in church, who grew up in a Christian home, uh, we have this idea that, that the Christian life is all about, about the destination. It's all about just getting to heaven. And if you, if you believe that, well, then you'd be half right. But there's a, a whole other part of the Christian life that that many of us don't, don't realize or don't understand, and it's the journey. We feel oftentimes that as long as you know, we know we're going to heaven, everything's going to be cool. As long as I know I've said my sinner's prayer, I've got my fire insurance, I'm not going to hell, then you know, that's good enough. But the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus calls us not just to eternal life, he calls us to the abundant life here and now. And we call that the journey. Des the destination, of course, is heaven, but the journey that takes us to heaven is what you and I have to deal with in the here and the now. And the question is this, is how are you living and how are you doing at that? How, what's your journey like? Some of you are, are here today, and I know this because I know many of your stories. 
You have, you have gone through or are going through tremendous pain and difficulty and struggle in your life right now. For some of you, you're here today and uh, you're just wondering if you can make it another day. You, you are maybe going through financial problems, uh, uh, marriage problems. You might be going through uh, problems with your kids. I don't know. Maybe problems at work. And maybe you're here this morning thinking, man, I hope, I hope the pastor will say something that will address my problems, address my needs. Well, in fact, that's exactly what I want to do today. I'd like us to look at this passage of Scripture from Colossians, Colossians 4, 2 to 4. And this is written by the Apostle Paul. Some would call him the greatest Christian who ever lived. And he wrote this letter to the Christians uh, in Colossus, a city in what is now uh, modern-day Turkey. And this is, this is the instructions that he gave to the Christians there. And maybe if you'd read it with me, uh, Paul says, Pray diligently. Are you with me? Said, ready? Here we go. Stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. Don't forget to pray for us that God will open doors for telling the mystery of Christ, even while I'm locked up in this jail. Pray that every time I open my mouth, I'll be able to make Christ plain as day to them. Okay, so here's the thing. The Apostle Paul is on a journey, this journey with what we call life. And he gives us clear instructions here as to how it is that we are called to live this life. And I want to just say right from the very start, before we go any further, there's not one person here today who can say, I don't have any problems, I have never had a problem, I will never have a problem. Everybody here today has got things that they're struggling with, things that are a problem for them, things that are causing them pain, even now as I speak. Everyone here is facing life together. The question is this this morning, is how are you facing this life with all of its problems and all of its difficulties? And so I'm going to tell you this today. There are no perfect conditions in this life. Everybody understands that. There are no perfect conditions. If you think that at some point in your Christian experience that everything's going to become perfect and yet you'll have no problems and that you'll have no relational problems, you'll never have a problem with your wife again or your, your husband again or your kids again or your boss again, well, you're just living in some kind of a dream world. Because where the rubber meets the road is, is here. There is going to be difficulties, there's going to be problems on this journey that we call life. The Apostle Paul tells us that the way to live this journey was with an attitude of gratitude. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, you could say, well, you know, Pastor, you just finished saying that the Apostle Paul was the greatest Christian who ever lived. Well, if I was the greatest Christian who ever lived, then I could have an attitude of gratitude all the time, right? Well, hold on a minute here. Let's take a look at the Apostle Paul's life. He is writing these words from prison. They put chains on him, and they've thrown him in jail for preaching the gospel, and it's in jail with chains on him that he says, have this attitude of gratitude. Now, he could easily have had a bad attitude towards God and said, God, I think, you know, I signed up to serve you. I'm willing to leave my family behind. I'm willing to, to abandon my reputation. Remember, he was, he was a man of great reputation before he became a Christian. He was, uh, he was high in, 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 the, in the levels of government. He was a Pharisee. He... He had special, uh, special talents and skills. I mean, he, was, he had it all, put it that way. And then he became a Christian. 
And then he became a Christian, and then suddenly things were not so easy for him anymore. So here he is. If anybody has a reason to have a bad attitude, it's Paul. God, like, what's going on here? I signed up to serve you. I signed up to do your will. And you can't even keep me out of jail? If anybody had reason to shake his fist at God and say, God, uh, you know, you really let me down here. You really failed me. You, you really didn't come through for me, God. God, you didn't really answer my prayers the way I wanted you to answer my prayers. If anybody could have said that, it's Paul. And yet Paul says, stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. How does the Apostle Paul face the chains and face the prison? It's with this attitude of gratitude. That's how the journey becomes not only tolerable for the Apostle Paul, but he can say with, with great sincerity that to live is Christ and to die is gain. The problems of this life, he is not denying he's got them, but the problems of this life are not getting him down. If anything, it's done quite the opposite. It's filled his heart with joy. You say, well, Apostle Paul then just sounds like a lunatic. How can you be joyful? How can you be happy? How can you have an attitude of gratitude when life is giving you lemons? Wow. If you haven't noticed yet, life is not problem-free. And if you haven't noticed it yet, when you became a Christian, you don't lose your problems either. You just maybe change problems. The Apostle Paul gives a listing of the problems and the difficulties he faced. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 21 to 33, it's pretty amazing. Now, if anybody's here today thinking they've got problems and that they, they would be justified in not being thankful, they'd be justified in not praising God, well, listen to this, and then you tell me whether you can carry on the way you are. Listen to this. He says, I have worked much harder than anyone else. I've been in prison more frequently than anyone else. I've been flogged more severely than anyone else. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. And you know why it's 40 lashes minus one? Because 40 lashes were considered a lethal. If a man got 40 lashes, that they considered that uh, would be enough to kill a man. So they gave not 40, but 39. He says, I had that five times. And all, by the way, for the sake of Christ. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And we're not talking about the, this kind of stone. Three times I was shipwrecked and spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false pro brothers. I have labored and toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger, I have known thirst, I have often gone without food, I have been cold, I've been naked, I've faced the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I don't feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn with temptation. The God and Father, the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. Now, isn't that amazing? At the end of this long list, of difficulties and problems and struggles and hardships and beatings and near drownings, that he could say at the end of it all that Jesus is the one who is to be praised forever. What has the Apostle Paul experienced that would bring him to that place where he could have this attitude of gratitude 
Not because everything worked so perfect for him, but in spite of the fact that things haven't always worked out perfectly for him. I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart today. Because for some of you right now, the problems and the hardships that you are struggling with in your life is absolutely ruining your life. You don't want to get up in the morning. You don't want to, you, you actually, you want to end life, your life. In, uh, in the first service this morning, I had a lady come up to me and um, she told me about some of the things that she'd been through. And it started when she was age 13. And, and you can imagine when, you know, what, what she told me about the abuse that she experienced. And it didn't stop there. It went on and on. And rather than being embraced and loved by her parents, her parents actually blamed it on her and, and called her names that I don't want to repeat here. But she stood here, she, she sat here this morning, she said, Pastor, I just want to say that I'm so thankful that I have found a place where I feel at home a place where I feel loved, a place that doesn't reject me because of what I've been through. I just, I just wanted to sob. Because here's a woman who was able to say, thank you, Jesus, in spite of what she'd been through. My friends, I want to tell you this. This is the beginning of your, the healing of your heart. This is the beginning of the healing of your heartache. When you can move past your circumstances and begin to see God, and recognize his love for you. What matters is what you do with your struggle. You can blame God, you can shake your fist in God's face, or you can come to the place where you recognize that God is reaching out to you and that he loves you and he wants to cleanse your guilty heart. He wants to give you grace and strength in the midst of your problems and struggles. This is the kind of God that we serve. And this is why the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and James all tell us again and again that in spite of our problems, our struggles, our hardships, that we are to praise God, to give him thanks. So the fact of the matter is, is that all of us here today have things that we can be very unthankful for. We all have things and reasons why we shouldn't praise God. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus comes along and says, I want, to, I want to give you the grace to trade in your old life for a new life. That's the good news of the gospel. The journey can change. The road trip can change. You can have joy again. Life can be different. We all face problems. And we will continue to face problems until we finally enter into eternal life. But until you get there, God calls you and he calls me to have a heart full of gratitude. I want to tell you this. There's a reason why God calls us to live with a heart of gratitude. It's not because he's some kind of a cruel cosmic trickster who just is toying with our minds and playing mind games. It's because God knows what's best for you and for me. God understands that what you need more than anything is to change your attitude about what you're facing in your life. God's calling you and me to an attitude of gratitude. Paul says, pray diligently, 
stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. Why does he say that with your eyes wide open in gratitude? I'll tell you why. Because it, it speaks of an intentionality. Being intentional about praising God. About being intentional about giving God thanks. About being intentional about counting your blessings. Because by nature, by nature, we slide into complaining. We slide into grumbling. We slide into telling God and anybody else who wants to hear about it all about our aches and our pains and our problems. Isn't that true? And guess what? If you think it's bad when you're young, it gets worse as you get older. Hang out with a few 50-year-olds, you'll find out. I can say that because I'm not 50 yet. It's our default setting. Complain, grumble, whine, gossip. Talk about how bad God is, how bad others are, how bad... With eyes wide open, Paul says, with eyes wide open in gratitude, that's how we're to live. God knows that when we are grateful, that's when the greatest growth and development takes place in our lives. I want to tell you this. Those who are in the habit of giving God thanks, those who are in the habit of praising God, are those who grow spiritually those who grow in every way. Those who haven't learned the habit of gratitude are those who remain stunted in their growth. Listen to what Paul say, or James says, James 1, 2-4, actually echoing what the Apostle Paul says. He says this, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity to grow, an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested... Your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. This, my friends, is what gratitude is all about. It's all about your personal growth and development. If you've been wondering why you haven't developed, why you haven't grown spiritually, why you're sort of at the same place you were 20 years ago or 10 years ago, could it be that the missing ingredient in your life is an attitude of gratitude? So here's the thing. You can't change other people. How many know that today? You, I can't change my wife. And guess what? She can't change me. I can't change my kids. I can't, I can't change the circumstances in my life. I have discovered at age 49 that I can't change anything. I can't change anything except my own attitude and how I approach life. So here's the thing. God calls you and me to continue in this process of growth and development through nurturing with eyes wide open an attitude of gratitude. That is how you grow. That is how you develop. And guess what? It's how you stay healthy. Listen to this. This is quite fascinating. Two psychologists, Michael McCullough and um, Robert Emmons, they did a study. They've been working on this for many years. They did a study on what happens when a person demonstrates an attitude of gratitude. So what they did is they took uh, several thousand people and they broke them up into three groups. One was the control group, who just basically didn't do anything, but we just, they just followed them. 
Then they had the, the, the second group, and the second group, their job was to record in a journal all the great things that happened in their life. In other words, to count their blessings every day. The third group, their job was to count not their blessings, but the opposite, to record all the bad things that happened in their life. Control group does nothing. The second group controls, or the second group writes down in a journal all the great things that happened in their life. The third group writes down all the bad things that happened in their life. Now, here it is. The results of the study indicated that daily gratitude exercises, that is, every day giving thanks to God, resulted, ready for this? It resulted in higher reported levels of alertness. Those who gave thanks on a daily basis, those who recorded the things that they were grateful for, recorded higher levels of alertness. Isn't that interesting? Paul said this 2,000 years ago. Stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. Way more alert. They recorded higher levels of enthusiasm. They're excited. They're happy. They're happy about life. There's a, there's a joy about life and about living, about getting up in the morning. Wouldn't you like to have that? Instead of hitting the snooze button three, four, five, ten times. Can you imagine having that kind of enthusiasm? Where it's, oh, yes, it's time to get up. Yay! Anybody felt like that recently? Those who practice daily gratitude exercises reported higher levels of determination. They could hang in there longer. They reported higher levels of optimism. They're optimistic about the future. They were not pessimistic. They had higher levels of energy. They were full of strength. They could go longer and do more than everybody else. In addition, those in the gratitude group experienced less depression and less stress and were more likely to help others. They exercised more regularly and made greater progress towards achieving personal goals. Isn't that interesting? Now, the psychologists have just discovered that in the last few years, but this is something God said 2,000 years ago. How many know that God's always ahead of the scientists? How many know that God knows what's best for us? Even when it doesn't make sense to us, God still knows what's best for us. Now, here's the thing that you need to understand about those who are recording the things that they were grateful for. They still had problems. They still had difficulties that they had to face. They still struggled like the control group and like the third group who reported all the bad things that happened in their life. What made the difference? They were being thankful for the good things that were taking place in their life. Now, one of these studies, and listen to this, this is going to blow you away. One of these, one of these studies show that practicing gratitude can actually increase your happiness by 25%. That's a whopping 25%. Now, who here wouldn't, be, wouldn't like to be 25% more happy? And it begins through having an attitude of gratitude. Furthermore, Dr. Eamon's research shows that those who practice gratitude tend to be more creative. So here's the thing. If, you're, if, you're a, if you own a business, you want your people to be grateful because it will make them more creative. Not only that, but they'll bounce back more quickly from adversity, have stronger immune system, have a stronger social relationship, in fact, all the relationships will improve dramatically than those who don't practice gratitude. And I want you to know today, God knows what he's talking about. God knows what he's doing. God knows what's best for you and for me. And we talk about the life of faith. Well, here's the thing. 
If you truly have faith and you truly believe God and you truly trust God, then you're going to do what he says. Not because it necessarily makes sense to you, but because he said it. And you trust him. And so today, the Spirit of God is speaking to all of us. And he's calling us to have an attitude of gratitude. Not because circumstances are necessarily great, but in spite of it. He's calling us to have an attitude of gratitude for the sake of our own souls. I just want to say this to you in, in closing. Chuck Colson, who's one of my absolute favorite authors, you may remember, some of you who are older may remember that he was one of the men on staff with Richard Nixon. And he was converted and his life was radically changed. And here's what he says after all these years of observing uh, North American culture, he, he says this, he says, the reason that we as a society are adrift, the reason our society as a whole is having problems is because we no longer practice the virtue of gratitude. We live in an age where young people have an entitlement mentality. They're no longer grateful for anything. They demand it, they expect it, it's their right. And so what happens, my friends, is that the way that you and I function vertically is almost always, without fail, transfers to that vertical relationship, the relationship we call our relationship with God. And here's the thing. When you fail to understand your relationship to God, when you stop being thankful to God for his goodness to you, guess what else happens? You stop listening to him and you stop doing what he says because he no longer is significant to you. He now is your cosmic bellhop. You ring the bell and, he, and, and you expect him to do what you tell him to do. We are in big trouble. We're in big trouble as a culture, as a society. And the only way that we're going to turn things around, my friends, is that if you and I learn what it means to have an attitude of gratitude, where we start saying, God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Back a few years ago, a movie came out. One of my uh, favorite movies, actually, called Saving Private Ryan. Maybe some of you have heard of it. The story uh, is a long story, so I'll, be, I'll give you the real, real short, brief version, of, the Twitter version of it. Um, a young man by the name of Private Ryan is, uh, has gone to war, and his three brothers have gone with him. And you might know the story. Uh, one day, one of the stenographers who's typing out the memos that are supposed to go to the families notices that there are three Ryan boys that have, have died, killed in action. And uh, she shows it to the, to the general who's, who takes an interest in these sorts of things, and, and, and they discover that there's actually a fourth brother out there who, to their knowledge, is still going. The general, uh, in, in compassion and mercy, thinks... Uh, that it, was, it would be absolutely horrible and unfair if a mother lost all four of her sons. And so she, he sends out Captain Miller and his group, whose job it is to go and find Private Ryan and save him and bring him home safely so that the mother doesn't lose all her sons. The story uh, takes place around that, that basic plot. Captain Miller and his men find Private Ryan. Private Ryan is with a few... Uh, men who were left in his platoon, and their job was to defend a bridge. 
Captain Miller comes along and says, Private Ryan, we've been sent by the general and our job is to take you home. And Private Ryan says, uh, why should I go? And, and, and the captain explains what happens. Your three brothers have died. Captain uh, Miller puts his arm on him and says, come on, we've got to go. We've got to get out of here. And uh, Private Ryan cries a little bit, very upset, obviously, losing his brothers, and then says, you know what, all, the only family I've got left now are these men here, so I don't want to leave them. Captain Miller, understanding this, says, fine, we'll stay with you, we'll fight with you to defend this bridge, but Private Ryan, you are not going to be in the line of fire. You're not taking any risks. We're going to protect you. The, the Germans finally come to take the bridge, and one by one, that little group of soldiers who've come to save Private Ryan, each one of them is knocked out of action and killed. Private Ryan comes to Captain Miller, who now has been shot as well, and Captain Miller is leaning up against the tank, gasping his last breath. And he says to Private Ryan, earn this. Earn this. And you know what he's talking about. Earn the life that we've spared for you. This life that we have, we have lost on your behalf. Earn this. And it flash, flashes forward some 50 years. And there's Private Ryan, a 70-year-old man in the graveyard, kneeling down at Captain, Millen, Captain, Miller's, Captain Miller's grave. And he, he says, to Captain Miller, he says, every day I thought of that conversation on the bridge. I've tried to live a life worthy of your sacrifice. I've tried to live a life worthy of your sacrifice. He stands up and he turns to his wife with tears in his eyes and he says to his wife, have I been a good man? Have I earned it? I want to say this to you in closing. Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and for me. He died for you and for me to save us the punishment of how the the punishment of an eternal life without God. He saved us from that so that we could have life so that we could have our sins washed away, so that we could have our guilt taken away, so that we could have peace, so that we could begin to enjoy this journey which we call life. Jesus did that for us at the cross. My friends, Jesus did this gladly, with gladness in his heart, thankful that he had the privilege of doing that for you and for me. Now, here's the difference between Captain Miller and Jesus. Jesus does not say, earn it. He says, receive it. Receive what I've done for you. Now, what, is, what should our expression be to that? Well, obviously, to accept what Jesus has done for us and ask him into our lives. But after that, what should our response to what Jesus did for us at the cross, what should it be? The Bible tells us.
to have an attitude of gratitude, to be thankful, and to recognize God's hand at work in your life and in mine. After all that Jesus has done for us, can we be anything other than a grateful people? My friends, this is the message of thanksgiving. This is what it's all about. When you go from this place, my prayer is that you'll go giving up the old habits of grumbling and complaining and go from here rejoicing, giving God thanks and counting your blessings. I'm going to tell you, it's for your own good. And it's what God deserves for what he's done for us. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you this morning for your great and extravagant gift of love for us. We want to say thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for us, to give us life, to give us hope. In spite of the problems and the difficulties of this life, we thank you that we have Jesus. And we have your hand at work in us. God, one of the things that we recognize about this life is that this life is not heaven. (laughs) We're looking for a better place. But in the meantime, God, help us to see your hand at work in us as we're on this journey to eternal life. God, grant that we may be a people who have an attitude of gratitude. We pray that for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen.